This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day, every day, all good days, these are the days the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in them. My name is Hal Brady, and I'm so glad you've joined me for this service tonight. I trust that you'll help me turn this studio into a sanctuary, and we can worship together the living God. Our scripture lesson comes from the Old Testament from 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 37. Would you hear, please, the reading of God's Word? David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Paul's sword on the armor, and tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, 
and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, which art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Talking about mounting the impossible, have you seen Tom Hanks' movie Castaway? In that movie, you'll remember, he survived a horrible plane crash, and then he suffered five difficult years on a Pacific island. And then he went through the devastation of losing the love of his life. And yet somehow he made it through. He made it through because of the author of the script. Our text today is another story of mounting the impossible. This story before us is one of the best known and most popular stories of all. If you know anything about David, you also know about Goliath. Even people who do not read the Bible know the story of David and Goliath. It's just such a well-known story. Because it's so well-known, we don't need to paint much of a sketch about the scene. At any rate, the army of the Philistines are on one hilltop. The army of the Israelites are on the other hilltop. The Philistines have this mighty man of valor, Goliath, who comes out every day and taunts these Israelites to send a champion against him. You see, the winner of this personal combat was going to decide the national issue. Better one person lose his life than an entire army. The problem was that the Israelites had nobody to come out and fight Goliath. So every day when Goliath would taunt and taunt and taunt, the Israelites would grow more cowardly each and every day. It continued for a long time. But into the situation came this young shepherd boy by the name of David. David's father had sent him down to bring some special food to his three brothers who were in the army. He was also to bring a gift to the commander and to bring word back to his father when this battle was done or how the battle was going. But nevertheless, we have this situation where David went into battle against Goliath. We're told that Goliath looked at the situation and he was not angry, he was amused. And so he cursed this boy. But David immediately said, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whose armies you have defied. And so we're told that David immediately took his slingshot and one smooth stone, and he took that slingshot and he popped it right into the forehead of Goliath, and Goliath fell over dead. Now what I want us to do is take a look at this phrase that David used when he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. In other words, we want to deal with what it means to mount the impossible. First of all, we see the danger of a Goliath-dominated imagination. We see the danger of a Goliath-dominated imagination. Here's a situation. David comes into this situation in Elah, and this giant... Goliath is everywhere. This giant is over nine feet tall. He's whirling around a 25-pound spear as if it were a baton. His savagery, his cruelty, his size dominate everything. 
So Goliath is truly in the center of the world. And his taunts continually make these people of Israel afraid and cowardly. No question about that. Now, Goliath didn't just issue the challenge one time and leave. We're told that he issued the challenge for over a month. Every morning and every evening he issued the challenge, calling for someone to come out and battle him. He needed an opponent. But again, the people were cowards and nobody came forward. How applicable to any giant we would encounter this story is. That's the way it is with the giants of fear and worry. Fear and worry tend to dominate us. They tend to challenge us day in and day out. And they tend to be with us all the time. And they come in the form of a person, a challenge. They come in the form of numbers of things. But these fears and worries are always with us, especially if we try to face these fears and worries in our own strength. John Maxwell, who was a great guru of leadership, he said that in his early days he was pastor of a small church, a rural church. And he said it was in this church that they had to vote whether this pastor would have a job each year. John Maxwell said his friends were always telling him of how their votes went, that they would get the unanimous approval of their parishioners. So he said he was in great expectation of how things were going to be with his own life when he asked for the approval of the congregation. He said, but imagine his shock and surprise when the vote came in, 31 for, one against, and one abstention. This pretty well just floored John Maxwell. When he got home that night, he called his father. His father was a pastor. He was also a, a former district superintendent and a former college president. And he told him he was just devastated. He said he couldn't understand it. He had given them everything he had. He had done everything he could and even more. But he said one of them even wanted him to leave. And he said an abstention was as good as a no. He said, what should I do? Should I leave this church and go to another? He heard a laughter on the other end of the phone. His father laughed and said, no, stay there. He said, this may be the best boat you'll ever have. Now, if it hadn't been for John Maxwell's father and his father's attitude, John Maxwell's Goliath would have gotten the best of him and would have kept him from experiencing the joy and the beautiful and the good. In other words, his Goliath-dominated imagination would have made the best of him. A well-known minister said he was holding a preaching mission in another city, and he said after they had had the preaching mission, he and the pastor were invited to go to lunch with an elderly woman who was over 70 and quite a fine lady. After lunch, she began to show them some of the beautiful things she had collected. She pulled open these drawers, and there were the beautiful linen napkins and tablecloths, drawer after drawer. He said she had some of the finest beautiful china he had ever seen. She had shelves of crystal. He said to her, well, when do you use these things? And she said rather sadly, I've never used them. She said, my husband and I and my children carefully pick these things out, but we've never used them. Now my husband is dead. My children are gone, and I'm here alone. And sadly, she said, I saved my beautiful things too long. Doesn't that sound to you like a Goliath-dominated attitude? In other words, the imagination that is controlled by Goliath and fear. And then you remember the story of Israel. 
Moses told 12 of them to go into the promised land and spy it out to see if they could take the promised land. You remember two of them came back and they said, oh, we can take it. If God wants us to have it, God will see that we have it and he will fight for us and we will have it. But you remember, 10 of them said there was no way they could take the promised land. 10 of them voted no. And you know, the majority report won the day. And because of their Goliath-dominated imagination, the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, a generation. Such is the danger of a Goliath-dominated imagination. And then secondly, we see that the way of faith has to be discerned anew. The way of faith has to be discerned anew. You know, Israel had a glorious history. We take a look at Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Esther and Samuel. What a glorious history. But glorious or not, no history has ever saved anybody. People have to come to the faith anew or they do not come to it at all. As someone said, we learn to speak, we learn to walk, and we learn to believe in God. As important as learning to speak and walk are, the most important thing is we learn to believe in God. Coming out of a century or two of moral disintegration and a political chaos, the children of Israel were about to lose their identity as people of God. They were about to lose their sense of their history. Even more, they were losing their sense of salvation history, which had given them strength indeed. On the other hand, here we had David. David represented new leadership. And we see that in the fact that he wouldn't wear Saul's armor. Saul asked him to wear his armor. David said no. He had to fight in his own way with his own faith using his own five smooth stones. Now what we need to understand here is David came into the valley of Elah not with a Goliath-dominated imagination but with a God-dominated imagination. Now, beloved, we need to take that to our hearts and remember it. He came not with a Goliath-dominated imagination, but with a God-dominated imagination. David simply couldn't understand how these people could be afraid. Weren't they members of the army of the living God? And so it was God, not Goliath, that was the source of his reality. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I also want you to notice that David came not in his own strength, he came in the strength of the Lord. He came in the strength of the Lord. He remembered how God had been with him out on the hillsides when he fought the lions and he fought the, the bears. God had been with him and God would be with him now. You know, the other day I was reading a story about Super Saint. It was written by humorist Ken Davis. He said he wanted to have a picture and he wanted to put this picture on a T-shirt. And that's what he did. He put this picture. In the picture was a lion who hadn't eaten in two years. Next to the lion, there was a wolf. And next to the wolf, there was this enormous snake. A little narrow road was in front of them. And on that road was one sheep, one little lamb who had hold of the hand of Jesus. As they were walking by amidst all the taunts and amidst all the threats, this little lamb said, in referring to Jesus, I'm with him. I'm with him. So what does Jesus say? I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The prophet Zechariah said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. 
David knew when he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, he knew the Lord of hosts as his strength. A friend of mine is named Jim Moore. He's a Methodist pastor. He's retired now. This particular Methodist pastor said that he was talking to his brother not long ago. His brother was also a Methodist pastor in Memphis, and his brother was an inspiration. They were ending their conversation, and Jim Moore said he said to his brother what he usually said. He said, what is the best sermon text you have read lately? His sermon, his brother said, rowing against the wind. When asked to elaborate, Bob, Jim's brother, said, you remember the story of the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. They were in the middle of that horrible storm. They were rowing against the wind. The the waves were against them because the wind was against them. They were rowing against the wind. They were afraid. They were scared. They were tired. They were depleted. They were drained. And then the beautiful word, Jesus came walking to them across the water. And then Bob said to Jim, isn't it amazing and isn't it interesting that sometimes Jesus is the most obvious when we're out there doing battle with the storms of life, when we are rowing against the wind. Robert Sheila said he was in New York one time, and he happened to see this big poster, and on the poster was this football player. This football player was very dejected. It was evident he was down in the dumps. He had thrown his helmet down. He was sitting there. Blood was on his face. Mud was on his face. His elbows were on his arms. And underneath the picture were these words, I quit. At the bottom of that same poster was a black picture that had a cross in the center. And underneath that, it simply said, I didn't. Why didn't Jesus quit? Because of the power and strength of the living God who supported him and upheld him. Now, if you focus on your giant, you will stumble. But if you focus on God, your giant will tumble. Now, let's look at this third thing, which is equally important in this. We see how to mount the impossible. We see how to mount the impossible. An author said that when he was a boy, his father gave him a book, and the book was about the Carthaginian African general Hannibal. It was amazing, one of the most amazing scientific feats of courage in the history of military warfare, when Hannibal took his army from Africa and crossed the Alps into Italy. But this book said that with every conquest there is a story. And so what the book said was when Hannibal and his army were preparing to go across the Alps, his army became afraid and they began to rebel. They wanted to turn back and go back. But we're told in the story that Hannibal went before his army. He went before his army and he looked at the Alps and then he said this to his army, forward march, we see no Alps. Forward march, we see no Alps. That's the way it is sometime in life. We just have to venture out and we have to say, forward march, we see no Alps. Forward march, we see no problem. Forward march, we see no hardship. Forward march, we see no obstacle. Forward march, we see no cancer. Forward march, we see no apps. So what does this little story tell us? What does this story tell us about how to get along and how to mount the impossible from this story of David and Goliath? 
Here are a few thoughts that I want to share with you. First of all, simply remember God's victories in the past. God's victories in the past. David remembered being out on the hillside of Bethlehem. He remembered fighting the lions and the bears and how God had helped him. And he knew this same God would help him there against this giant. There was a small boy that wanted to go to a birthday party of a friend of his who didn't live very far away. He was very excited about it, but the day of the party, a blizzard hit. The roads were impassable and everything was sort of off limits. The young fellow only lived two blocks away. So the little boy went to his father and he said, Dad, I just want to go to this party. Other parents are letting their children go. Can I go? And the father looked at him and very quietly he said, Yes, you can go. Surprised but overjoyed, the little boy put on his heavy clothes and he trudged out into the storm, the blizzard, and he marched the best he could. He couldn't see much, but he was struggling. But finally he got to his friend's house about 30 minutes later, and as he knocked on the door, he happened to turn as he was waiting to look back at the snow, and he happened to see a figure retreating. He knew at that moment that had been his father. His father had made real sure that he got there safely. And then, secondly, we need to remember it's God's power and not our own. You remember the giant said he was cursing the teenager. The teenager says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the power of the Lord of hosts. One of our bishops at one of our annual conference, conferences quoted something that Fats Waller, the jazz musician, had said. Fats Waller's father was a minister, and Fats Waller wanted to help his father in his ministry, so he wrote hymns. So he wrote hymns. And one of the lines of one of his hymns was this, Everything that's not of Jesus will fall down. Well, the opposite of that must also be true. Everything of Jesus will stand up because God is in that particular standing up. And then... The third way we mount the impossible is by remembering it's God's victory and we give God all the glory. That's what David did. He knew the victory was God's and so the credit belonged to God. If we give God the glory, then no matter what happens to us, it will come out fine because we have given God the glory. That was the secret of David's life. The secret of David's life was he, he lived in the power of the strength of God. And then the last thing, if we want to mount the impossible, we have to get started immediately. You remember what David did? He picked up his five smooth stones and his slingshot, and he moved out immediately. Do you know in the Grand Ole Opry, there was a singer who's now dead. His name is Roy Acuff, Roy Acuff. You remember he had a dressing room at the Grand Ole Opry, and underneath his name, his name on that door with these words ain't nothing going to happen to us today that me and God can't handle ain't nothing going to happen to us today that me and God can't handle forward march we see no apps let us pray Lord we are grateful for this story of David and Goliath we are thankful oh God that David trusted in you and that you honored him and you defeated the Goliath in his life we know, O oh God, that you also defeat the Goliath in our lives. So help us to trust in you as David did and to receive your power and strength. Enable us to mount the impossible for you. 
It's in your name. Amen. Let me thank you all for joining with us tonight in this worship service, and I trust the service has been meaningful, both the music and the message. Take good care of yourselves. God bless. Good night.